Maverick News presents The Rick Walker Show Defrag Your Mind Good evening, Maverick family and new viewers. Welcome back to the Maverick News Channel. Uh, stacked program for you tonight. Zelensky back in Washington, D.C., begging for money. It won't come without strings attached. The United Nations General Assembly passing a resolution calling for a ceasefire in Gaza. A news anchor at uh, WICU in Erie, Pennsylvania dies. And we'll give you the information on that and uh, a bit of a commentary as well about the way that story is being covered. We have a whole bunch of stuff to get into tonight. Uh, much of it surrounding this war between Israel and Hamas. And we have other stuff too. So don't go away. We'll be right back and we'll dig right into it. News. The world is watching. Greetings, brave mavericks. Our quest for truth continues. We go beyond fake news. Together, we expose propaganda. Together we pull others out of rabbit holes. We are maverick thinkers. We are all unique individuals, individuals, defenders of individual rights and freedoms, credible, trusted, grounded in reality. Maverick News, Maverick News. Defending free speech, free speech, speech. Donate at freedomreporters.com do it now tomorrow maybe too late too late too late too late maverick news the world is watching so this is fresh Let's take you straight to Washington right now and start off with this. Zelensky and Joe Biden holding a joint news conference as Zelensky begs for money to continue his struggle against Russia. The invasion of Ukraine in February of 2022 and Russian tanks rolled over border toward Kyiv 
There were those who thought Ukraine wouldn't survive for a month. So no one, no one should forget that for you to be here today, again today, nearly two years later, and for Ukraine to be stand strong and free is an enormous victory already. Putin has failed, failed in his effort to subjugate Ukraine. The brave people of Ukraine have defied Putin's will at every turn, backed by the strong and unwavering support of the United States and our allies and partners in more than 50 nations, 50 nations in Europe and the Indo-Pacific. And Ukraine will emerge from this war proud, free, and firmly rooted in the West unless we walk away. The American people can be and should be incredibly proud of the part they played in supporting Ukraine's success. We'll continue to supply Ukraine with critical weapons and equipment as long as we can, including $200 million I just approved today in a critical needed equipment, additional air defense interceptors, artillery, and ammunition. But without supplemental funding, we're rapidly coming to an end of our ability to help Ukraine respond to the urgent operational demands that it has. Putin is banking on the United States failing to deliver for Ukraine. We must, we must, we must prove him wrong. The United States and Congress must, as I asked last week, and this, it's stunning that we've gotten to this point. You know, we need to fully appreciate, fully appreciate how it's wrong, how this is being viewed around the world and being used by Russia. Russian loyalists in Moscow celebrated when, when Republicans voted to block Ukraine's aid last week. The host of a Kremlin-run show literally said, and I quote, well done, Republicans. That's good for us, end of quote. Let me say that again. This host of a Kremlin-run show said, well done, Republicans. That's good for us. That's a Russian speaking. If you're being celebrated by Russian propagandists, it might be time to rethink what you're doing. History, history will judge harshly those who turn their back on freedom's cause. Today, Ukraine's freedom is on the line. But if we don't stop Putin, it will endanger the freedom of everyone almost everywhere. Putin will keep going and would-be aggressors everywhere will be emboldened to try to take what they can by force. Mr. President, I'll not walk away from Ukraine, and neither will the American people. A clear bipartisan majority of people across the United States and in Congress support your country. They understand, as I do, that Ukraine's success and its ability to deter aggression in the future are vital to security for the world at large. And I have repeatedly made clear from our first day in office, we also need Ukraine to make changes to fix the broken immigration system here. We also need Congress to make the changes to fix the broken immigration system here at home. My team is working with Senate Democrats and Republicans to try to find a bipartisan compromise, both in terms of changes in policy and provide the resources we need to secure the border. Compromise is how democracy works, and I'm ready and offered compromise already. Holding Ukraine funding hostage in the attempt to force through an extreme Republican partisan agenda on the border is not how it works. We need real solutions. I also ask Congress for funding for Israel to take on Hamas 
and confront multiple other threats backed by Iran in the wake of the October 7th assault. National Security Advisor Sullivan will travel to the region this week and meet with the Israeli War Cabinet, as I have met with, to emphasize our commitment to Israel, as well as the need to protect civilian life and ensure more humanitarian assistance flows and reaches into Gaza for Palestinian civilians. Secretary Austin will also travel to the region this week to step up the international efforts to protect the free flow of commerce through the Red Sea. The entire world is watching what we do. So let's show them who we are. America stands for freedom today, tomorrow, and always. America stands against tyranny and against oppression. And America stands with the people of Ukraine. Thank you again for being here today, Mr. President. And thank you for everything Ukraine is doing to hold the line for liberty in the world. The floor is yours, Mr. President. Thank you very much, Mr. President, dear journalists. I'm glad to be here and personally thank you and tell you how what we've achieved together, defending life and freedom in Ukraine. We are fighting for our country and freedom and also in Europe, we say for our freedom and yours. And this motto resonates not only in our country, not only in our hearts, not only in Ukraine, but also in Poland and Baltic states, Moldova and others, when freedom is strong. In one country, it is strong everywhere. When it burns in one soul, it presents its merits to, to others. Ukrainians have twice, Ukrainians have twice led revolutions this century, defending freedom. For nearly two years, we have been in a full-scale war, the biggest, the biggest since World War II, fighting for freedom. We stand firm, no matter what Putin tries, he hasn't won any victories. Thanks to Ukraine's success, success in defense, other European nations are safe from the Russian aggression, unlike in the past. Ukraine can now tackle the Russian dictatorship. So our children and other nations won't have to shed their blood and sacrifice lives defending against Russian aggression. We've already made significant progress. We've shown that our courage and partnership are stronger than any Russian hostility. And we have freed 50% of the territories Russia occupied after February 24th. And we have won the Black Sea and are reviving our economy. Thanks to maritime experts, Ukraine's 5% economic growth this year proves our effective partnership. And we have shown no, no Russian missiles can overdoor the powerful American Patriot systems. Thank you very much. And even during war, we are reforming our country and strengthening our, our institutions. Today, President Biden and I discussed how to increase our strengths for next year. First, air defense and destroying Russian logistics on Ukraine's land. Mr. President, thank you very much for your supporting, supporting us. And in these areas, like 
our victory in the Black Sea, we aim to win the air battle, crushing Russian air dominance. This will, this will intensify our ground advances in 2024 with our control of the skies. Who controls the skies controls the war's duration. And today I would like to thank, of course, for yet another significant defense package with our defenders value very much. Second, yesterday I met with American, American defense company leaders. They advised us on how to make our defense industries work faster and more effectively. Thank you, President Biden, for this important initiative we started with you. Together, Ukraine and America can strengthen democracy's arsenal. And this is vital for other free nations and the U.S. as it involves your companies, technologies and technology advancement and job creation. And it is important to know that two thirds of American support for Ukraine remains and works in the United States. Third, I informed Mr. President that Ukraine has fulfilled all the recommendations of the European Commission regarding the preparation for a decision to start negotiations on Ukraine's accession to the uh, EU. And we constantly communicate with European leaders about our joint steps, sanctions, and political efforts to pressure Russia. American leadership is crucial, is keeping this unity together, a unity that serves the entire free world. And I thank America for new sanctions. And today we discussed Putin's further isolation and making him pay for his aggression. It's very important that by the end of this year, we can send very strong signal of our unity to the aggressor and the unity of Ukraine, America, Europe, the entire free world. Everything we talked about today will help us in the year 2024. Today's discussions in the White House and in Congress across both parties and both chambers with a speaker, we are very productive. And I thank you for the bipartisan support. As we approach Christmas, on behalf of all our Ukrainian families, separated by war and all sons and daughters on the front, Ukraine's greatest wish is to near this war's victorious end. No one, no one but Putin wants, wants a prolonged war. We dream of a Christmas and a peacetime, of course. And we are working to turn our battlefield success into peace. And we are heading there together with you. And thanks, of course, to your support. Thank you very much, Mr. President. Thank you, American Slava Ukraine. Thank you. Look, uh, we're going to alternate asking questions. We're going to ask a total of each ask two questions. I will ask the first question. Uh, I will ask. I will recognize the first question asker. <laughs> I'll ask a question to all three. Oh, my but, God. Um, uh, Danny Kemp. Oh. Um, thank you, Mr. President. Um, for President Biden, um, Ukraine's counteroffensive has, uh, has stalled in recent months. Uh, Congress is blocking aid. 
uh, and Vladimir Putin appears ready to just wait things out. Um, so what is the strategy for the US and Ukraine next year to try and turn this, uh, turn this around? And if that fails, uh, at what point do you say to Ukraine as a friend uh, that it is perhaps time to start looking at peace talks? And for President Zelensky, um, welcome back to Washington. Um, can I ask you, did you uh, hear what you wanted to hear from Congress and from President Biden? Um, and or are you indeed more worried than when you got here? Thank you very much. Well, let me uh, answer the question first. Let's put this in perspective. Remember how far Ukraine has come. Russia has failed, failed thus far in trying to erase Ukraine from the map and uh, subsume it into Russia. Ukraine has taken back more than 50% of its territory seized since February of 22. And it's pushed back Russian, the Russian Navy so Ukraine can export grain and steel to the world through the Black Sea. And thanks to the incredible courage of the Ukrainian people and the bipartisan support from our Congress, but it's not just American support. There are more than 50 countries, 50 countries helping Ukraine with military, economic, and humanitarian assistance. 50. The burden sharing, the U.S. has put up $75 billion, and our allies and partners have put up $100 billion. And more than 90% of our security assistance to Ukraine is being spent in the United States to provide weapons for Ukraine and replenish our stockpiles and build our industrial base. We need to ensure Putin continues to fail in Ukraine and Ukraine to succeed. And the best way for that to do that is to pass the supplemental. Yeah, get an answer in Ukrainian, please. <clears throat> Thank you. First of all, I would like to add uh, to the words of Mr. President uh, Biden uh, uh, about successes. I think that uh, these were not easy successes. Nonetheless, they were quite serious. They were serious steps forward. Indeed, we gained victory on the sea. We destroyed ships of the Russian Federation. We throw the remnants of their fleet to Russian territorial waters. Yes, they uh, have something uh, in the Black Sea uh, in the vicinity of our temporarily occupied Crimea, but we are going to proceed this activity. Our guys destroyed 20,000 of Wagner mercenaries. These are serious terrorists who were massing everywhere on African continent, in Syria, in Ukraine, there were a lot of mass and nucleus of this terroristic organization is not existing anymore. Yes, we had a lot of uh, problems, but nonetheless, we were able to do this. Moreover, Russia were not able to seize uh, any part of our territory, any village, any town. I'm not talking about large cities. And we are going to proceed with this. It is good without saying that we have objective, we have clear plan, but if you allow me, 
I am not able to tell you in public uh, on the details of 2024 operations. If I heard what I want, I've heard a lot. Surely I told what I wanted to. I feel and experience this support from President Biden administration, uh, from senators, and we've been talking with the speaker. I got this signal. They were more than positive, but we know that we have to separate walls and particular result. Therefore, we will count on particular result. Thank you. Український кореспондент. Дуже багато республіканців сумніваються, що Україна може виграти цю війну. Україна повинна віддати певні території, щоб... So, first question to me. So, uh, do you, your question is, if we are ready to give up our territories? The question is not only about our words or thoughts. The question is about for what we are ready and for what we are not. How Ukraine is able to give up its territories? That's insane, to be honest. We are mentioning God very often. That's not about Christianity. We have our people there. We have our families there. We have children there. That's part of Ukrainian society. And we are talking about human beings. They are being under tortures. They are being raped and they are being killed. And those voices which offers to give up our territories they offers as well to give up our people. That's not a matter of territory, that's a matter of lives, of families, of children, of their histories. I don't know whose idea it is, but I have a question to these people, if they are ready to give up their children to terrorists. I think no. We want to see Ukraine win the war. And uh, as I've said before, winning means Ukraine is a sovereign, independent nation. And, uh, can afford to defend itself today and deter further aggression. That's our objective. Uh, Trevor, Reuters, Reuters. Thank you, sir. Um, first, a question for both of you. Um, given the Republican skepticism of the Ukraine effort, do you worry that a second term for President Trump would be the uh, end of an independent Ukraine? That's for both of you. And then for you, uh, President Biden, um, just an update, if you could, on the, the situation in Gaza, uh, on the reports that Israel has begun flooding Hamas tunnels, um, and just the, the offensive in southern Gaza generally, how long do you think that operation should last? Thank you. First of all, with regard to uh, political support for Ukraine, there is a strong bipartisan political support for Ukraine. Small number of Republicans who don't want to support Ukraine, but uh, 
they don't speak for the majority of it, even the Republicans, in my view. We're in negotiations <clears throat> to get funding we need, not to promise, uh, not, not making promises, but hopeful we can get there. I think we can. You're right. The world's watching what we do. Would you send a horrible message to an aggressor and allies if we walked away at this time? And it would hurt our national security. Do you want me to answer the other question as well? Regarding to say it again. Sorry. So the, the question was just um, if you could talk a little bit about the Gaza operation, Israel flooding Hamas tunnels, and if you've had conversations with uh, Bibi Netanyahu about how long that operation should last. Well, I have had conversations with Bibi Netanyahu, and uh, and uh, I want to make sure that uh, we don't forget. Uh, what we're doing here. We have to support Israel because they're an independent nation that's being, I mean, the brutality, the inhumanity, the way in which Hamas treated the Israelis, and I mean, raping and burning and beheading. I mean, it's just, it's just beyond comparison, beyond comparison. And uh, to anything else that I've seen since I've been here and I've been around for a long time. but. I think that uh, we have made it clear to the Israelis, and they're aware, that the independent, the, the safety of innocent Palestinians is still of great concern. And so the actions they're taking must be consistent with attempting to do everything possible to prevent innocent Palestinian civilians from being, being hurt, murdered, killed, lost, et cetera. And uh, look, um, it doesn't uh, lessen the responsibility going after Hamas to innocent Palestinians and and uh, and Hamas. Uh, look, we, we have responsibility to protect citizens and ensure they have access to humanitarian assistance. That's why I've worked so hard with our Arab friends as well as the Israelis to get humanitarian assistance into Israel, literally getting up to 140 trucks loaded with gear loaded with food, loaded with everything that is needed by the Palestinians, including fuel. So, you know, Israel has stated its intent to fulfill these responsibilities. Uh, it's very difficult. With regard to the flooding of the tunnels, uh, I'm not – well, there is assertions being made that there's quite sure there are no hostages in any of these tunnels, uh, but I don't know that for a fact. I do know that, though, every civilian death is an absolute tragedy, and Israel stated its intent, as I said, to, uh, to match its, uh, its words with uh, its intent with, word, with actions. That's why, uh, that's, why I was, that's why I was talking about today. No, I just asked. Your My turn. Turn. So, uh, addressing your question very quickly, uh, I've been talking a lot with representatives of both parties, uh, both Democrats and Republicans uh, proved uh, full-fledged support. And we will see, but before this, we've always been trusting in support of our strategic partner, the United States, and we will consider that it will continue in this way, and Ukraine will not 
remain alone against such a critical terrorist as the Russian Federation. Thank you so much. Uh, my name is Yaroslav Dovopol, Ukraine Foreign News Agency, Ukraine. Next summer, uh, the United States will host uh, uh, an anniversary NATO summit, summit in Washington, D.C., which, which raises a lot of hope, especially for Ukraine. Uh, President Zelensky, uh, what does the Ukrainian side expect from this summit? And uh, do you hope to hear direct invitation for Ukraine to join the alliance. And uh, President Biden, under what conditions is the United States ready to support the initiative of inviting Ukraine to be member member of NATO? Thank you. Uh, I will answer very quickly on this very complicated question. We are not allies till now. We are not we, we are allies, but we are not members members of NATO. So that's why I think I will pass this question to <laughs> our big friend, President Biden. Look, I'm very proud that how strong unified NATO has become, and now it's even larger. I. Uh, Putin wanted the finalization of NATO when I met with him in, uh, in, uh, in, in Geneva right after I was elected. And he's gotten the NATOization of Finland instead. And NATO will be in Ukraine's future, no question about that. But we, as we said in Vilnius, Ukraine will become a member of NATO when all allies agree and conditions are met. Right now, we have to make sure they win the war. And, uh, you know, we launched a joint declaration of support alongside President Zelensky and the G7 leaders in Vilnius, outlining a long-term commitment to supporting Ukraine's defense needs. We also hosted the Defense Industry Conference last week here in D.C. to get that critical work done. So it's a step at a time. Thank you all very, very much. This concludes the Thank you. Okay, so... A real change in tone, a real shift, and stated in public in a very real way. I can't think of any time in history when I've seen anything like that. The president stood up there and said that they were going to support Ukraine with Military aid, quote, as long as we can. Those are not words of conviction and commitment. He also said that the United States' ability to continue funding the military effort in Ukraine is, again, quote, coming to an end, stating so publicly. Then turning around and in the next breath, saying that he needs approval on this funding and is pushing for it. And then makes a commitment saying that 
he will not walk away from Ukraine and compliment Zelensky on holding the line. It doesn't instill confidence, I wouldn't think. It doesn't make me, if I were in Zelensky's shoes, I would not have any confidence in what Biden is saying now at all, or what the United States might do moving forward. Funding is obviously on very shaky ground. It's drying up. We knew that anyway, many, many weeks ago. We've talked about it here, and I would say Zelensky is in a heap of trouble now. They're actually telegraphing, not just telegraphing, they're shouting it from the rooftops. You might as well have given Joe Biden a megaphone and had him stand up there tonight and say, we're, uh, it's all over. We lose. I mean, it's that serious. Now, <laughs> the world, yeah, he, he said the world is watching. The world is watching this channel. And now everybody knows that the United States is not all in on this. <laughs> oh, how to lose a war. How not to run a war. You could write a book on how to not manage a situation like this in great detail. This is this is a how-to guide on how to screw up. And Zelensky, as I say, in a heap of trouble now. I'm seeing reports out of Russia tonight suggesting that he may be facing some sort of a coup back in Ukraine. And no wonder. What a mess this is now. All this, all this spilled blood, all this spent treasure, and for what? This war never had to happen. Biden still standing up there, <laughs> still talking tough while giving up. This is the thing about the United States. They. They get the U.S. gets blamed for so much. And it's because the American people just don't have the uh, intestinal fortitude for this kind of stuff for, for too long. And this has gone on for quite a long time. People are tired of it. They are these kinds of things always start off strong because the governments in the West, every government manufactures consent among the public to get support and to uh to generate the funds that they need and justify it but i'm sure that a lot of this money has been redirected shall we say and this is this is a disaster a catastrophe they better get to the table and start talking peace right away because we know that as well, as we reported here about a week ago, major developments in Ukraine, well, in Ukraine, we've seen Russian troops being sort of redeployed, redistributed. We've seen Putin order an increase in troop strength overall for the Russian military. 
And we confirmed about a week ago that a lot of these troops are being sort of repositioned. And as a result, we also confirmed that Ukraine was pulling back and taking up defensive positions in key locations, including the capital. It's pretty clear that the Russians are ready for some sort of uh, additional offensive, new, fresh offensive, if they choose to move in that direction. And Ukraine's resources depleted, drying up, highly unlikely that you'll see much in the way of reinforcements coming and more, you know, this, this, the money train is clearly coming to an end. Will Zelensky survive this? My guess is probably not. His time is, is limited now. His days are numbered. That's why we're seeing these reports that he might be facing some sort of a coup. Now that could be straight up propaganda. But the reports are real, and sometimes even propaganda has a way of becoming a self-fulfilling prophecy. We shall see. He's going to have all of his political opponents lined up with knives behind their backs, hidden, ready to plunge into his back at the first opportunity now. Hmm. And at some point, I would say, even the United States might be looking for some sort of scapegoat here, someone to blame for the for what is, a, it looks to me like it's turning into an absolute failure. They better, they better do something to negotiate a settlement here, because if he doesn't have the funding, if they don't have the money, unless this is a ploy by the United States to get NATO's European partners to cough up more cash and more weapons. If that if that's not going down, then Ukraine is. Then Ukraine is. Make no mistake about it. My goodness, what a waste. What an incredible waste. And it... This guy, Biden, commander in chief, look what he did in Afghanistan, the disaster there. And look at what he does, his performance right now, tonight at that podium to say what he just said. In my opinion, that is a huge strategic error. You don't do that. You don't stand up there and tell the enemy that you don't have the funding anymore, that you're not going to provide money or support and then turn around and talk tough. My God, what an idiot.
Maverick News. The world is watching. Hello, world. Are you awake? Uniting humankind by liberating millions of minds at a time. Maverick News. The world is watching. Okay, so we know also tonight that the United Nations has just voted overwhelmingly in favor of demanding an immediate humanitarian ceasefire in Gaza. The vote in the 193-member world body was 153 in favor. Canada supported that, by the way. 10 against, 23 abstentions, 7 not present. So the support for this non-binding re resolution was higher than it was for an October 27th resolution, which at that time called for a humanitarian truce, which led to a leading to a cessation of hostilities. At that time, the vote was 120 to 14 with 45 abstentions. And in that situation, Canada abstained. And the UN General Assembly continues to meet at this hour. So let us just dip into that session to just give you a little taste of that. And I believe we have the United States here for you as they take the floor. And yes, one like moment and they'll be up. All of them, Palestinians, Israelis, deserve a peaceful future and the restoration of a political process leading to a two-state solution. I thank you. representative of Austria. And I now give the floor to the distinguished representative of the United States to introduce the draft amendment in A stroke ES 10 stroke L 29. You have the floor, ma'am. Thank you, Mr. President. Colleagues, the last two months have been nothing short of devastating. Devastating for Palestinians who have lost their homes and their loved ones because of a conflict that Hamas set into motion. Devastating for Israelis who still face a barrage of rocket fire even as they continue to reel from Hamas's barbaric attacks 
on October 7th. Devastating for Jewish and Muslim people around the world who are targeted by rising levels of anti-Semitism and Islamophobia. And devastating for all those who dream of a sustainable peace in which Israelis and Palestinians enjoy equal measures of security, dignity, and freedom. That sustainable peace is what the United States wants to work towards. And that is what I believe so many members of this body want to work towards too. And indeed, there are aspects of this resolution that we do support. We agree that the humanitarian situation in Gaza is dire and requires urgent and sustained attention. That civilians desperately need food and water and shelter and medical care. That a devastating number of innocent people have been killed. And that civilians must be protected, consistent with international humanitarian law. In addition, we support the release of all hostages immediately and unconditionally. Roughly half of those kidnapped on October 7th remain in Gaza. That's over 100 people, subject to, as a number of released hostages have described, hell. And so we encourage you to vote yes on the amendment proposed by Austria, which like the resolution passed in the Security Council on November 15th, call for Hamas and other groups to release the hostages and to provide humanitarian access to them immediately. Again, we support components of the resolution proposed today. But here's what else we support. We support speaking out with one voice to condemn Hamas for his terrorist actions on October 7th. Why is that so hard? To say unequivocally that murdering babies and gunning down parents in front of their children is horrific, that burning down houses while families shelter inside and taking civilians hostage is abhorrent. It's why today the United States is proposing an amendment that unequivocally rejects and condemns these atrocities. And we urge all members to vote yes and declare that what happened on October 7th is intolerable, period. This is the bare minimum and it should not be that difficult. In addition, the United States supports immediately addressing the reports of horrific sexual violence unleashed by Hamas on and after October 7th. Over the last 20 years, the UN has repeatedly underscored the need to investigate all reports of conflict-related sexual violence. It's long past time every member apply that same standard to the assaults committed by Hamas. The United States also supports the ICRC having access to hostages to provide medical treatment. We support a resumption of humanitarian pauses, which could happen immediately if Hamas only agreed to release women, wounded, and civilian hostages. 
We have seen how critical these pauses are to get the hostages out and to give some respite to civilians and humanitarians in Gaza. Look, there's no shortage of rhetoric here in New York, but it's the diplomacy the United States is engaging in on the ground that made that week-long pause possible. It was careful conversation and collaboration with Egypt and Qatar that helped reunite more than 100 hostages with their loved ones and that dramatically expanded humanitarian assistance to Gaza during the break in fighting. Of course, we support even more aid getting into the hands of those who so urgently need it. Over the last week, over the last week and a half, the United States has airlifted more than 90,000 pounds of humanitarian aid to Egypt's border with more on the way. And we're working with Israel, Egypt, the UN and others to surge humanitarian assistance into Gaza. Israel's decision to open Kerem Shalom for inspections and screening of those humanitarian goods is essential and something we have been working toward in earnest. And Israel's commitment to ensure there's enough fuel to sustain the humanitarian assistance operation, including civilian infrastructure, is also vital. We've made clear to Israel, we expect it to honor these commitments and we will hold them to it. Colleagues, there's more we support. We support a more robust deconfliction mechanism to help protect UN and humanitarian personnel, far too many of whom have lost their lives while heroically working to save innocent people in Gaza. We support affirming that Israel, like every single country on earth, has the right and the responsibility to defend its people from acts of terrorism because we know that Hamas intends to repeat the horrors of October 7th again and again and again. A senior Hamas official said so himself on television. Indeed, it was Hamas that broke the seven-day pause last month by committing a vicious terror attack in Jerusalem, firing rockets into Israel, and then failing to release the hostages it had pledged to release. Let's be realistic here. This is a terrorist group that no member state would tolerate living next to. So long as Hamas remains driven by its murderous ideology, any ceasefire right now would be temporary at the best and dangerous at worst. Dangerous to Israelis who would be subject to relentless attacks and also dangerous to Palestinians who deserve the chance to build a better future for themselves free from Hamas, a group that hides behind innocent civilians rather than protect them, and that co-ops civilian infrastructure to wage conflict. Of course, how Israel defends itself matters. Israel must avoid mass displacement of civilians in the south of Gaza. It must ensure sufficient humanitarian assistance to those who have fled violence, and it must allow civilians in Gaza to return home as soon as conditions allow. 
we will continue to press at the highest levels for this and for the protection of civilians as Israel pursues legitimate military objectives. Because perhaps most of all, while we cannot support a one-sided Security Council or General Assembly resolution that ignores so much of what we all stand for, we desperately want to see an end to the cycle of unceasing violence. Colleagues, our goal must be to stop the death, the devastation, and the destruction for the long term. And that is simply not a future Hamas wants to see. So as we address this immediate crisis and work to surge humanitarian assistance to the Palestinian people, we must also work to build a foundation for a truly sustainable peace, one where Israelis and Palestinians can live side by side in states of their own so that the next generation and the generations to come need not experience the devastation of the last two months and finally realize freedom, security, and peace. Thank you, Mr. President. Wow. I should like to thank the distinguished representative so, of the United States. What a mess. The, the United States, Israel, finding themselves, I think, increasingly isolated here. Be suspended at this stage the um, for the assembly to proceed United States voting against the of draft resolution the main resolution calling for L27 a ceasefire debates would continue after the action on the draft resolution but this is an ongoing is difficult issue um, without setting a precedent and given the let's take a quick break and uh, we'll come back on the other side and we'll dig into a little bit more of this and then move on to the other news of the day. Greetings, brave mavericks. Our quest for truth continues. We go beyond fake news. Together we expose propaganda. Together we pull others out of rabbit holes. We are maverick thinkers. We are all unique individuals, individuals, defenders of individual rights and freedoms, credible, trusted, grounded in reality. Maverick News, Maverick News. Defending free speech, free speech, speech. Donate at freedomreporters.com. Do it now. Tomorrow. Maybe too late. Too late. Too late. Too late. Maverick News. The world is watching. So we know that Biden has come out with some of his strongest language so far. Telling Israel 
that they're losing support in the world community. That is largely because they are losing the public relations battle. The response of Israel to the attack of October 7th, I think that Hamas was fully expecting it, but to respond the way they did, big mistake. Because the more they win, the more they lose. Because all of the violence is being showcased. Plus, and I'm certain of this, it's an absolute fact, it's being amplified with additional propaganda, which is not real. It's fabricated, no question about it. Both sides are doing some of that. And then you have your social media influencers, your celebrities weighing in on this as well. One of the the major figures in this, well, you've, for years and long before the October seventh attack itself, has been Roger Waters, who is in hot water again, and uh, with some people because of comments that again have sparked outrage. In this case, it's a pro-Palestinian gesture that uh, is drawing attention to Roger Waters. Here's um, a Newsweek post about that. Pink Floyd vocalist Roger Waters is being criticized, it says here, for holding a Palestinian flag during a meeting with Colombian President Gustavo Petro and for his views on the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. Talks about the, uh, the attack itself, how many people have died says the U.S. veto to draft United Nations Security Council resolution. This was the previous one from before. And this one today they did not vote in favor of. And at Roger Waters' concerts for a long time, he has been very pro-Palestinian. And my views, my personal views on Roger Waters is, uh, yeah, I think he's very anti-Israel and anti-Jew. In fact, I know he is because his not only his words, but his actions are evidence of that. I don't think there's any question about it at this point. I was not really fully aware of just how extreme he is, but he is very extreme. It says here, Waters, a well-known pro-Palestinian activist, this is these are the words of Newsweek. Met with Petro in Bogota, Colombia, December seventh, two days after he performed in the capital city. During the meeting, Waters requested that Petro lead an initiative before the International Court of Justice to ensure that the Genocide Convention is respected and to put an end to ongoing violence on the Gaza Strip. The Pink Floyd co-founder told the Colombian president that their common goal is to, in his words, fight for the human rights of everyone in the world. To which Petro replied, we are in agreement on that. He also gifted a signed guitar to the president's youngest daughter. And then the pair held up a Palestinian flag. But, you know, 
he goes on, right? And this is where Roger Waters has fallen out of favor with me. He calls for peace, but then it's clear that he, it's very clear to me that he doesn't really mean it. What he wants is Palestinian Hamas victory. And he has no regard really for the Israeli side. And I'll show you that. I'll, I'll let you tell him in his own, I'll let him tell you in his own words in a moment. But here he is here downplaying this uh, attack on October 7th, lending his voice to, I would say, the propaganda portion of the information war. This is not truthful. This is Roger Waters watering down the truth to confuse people and to further a political agenda, exactly how he is involved or who might be influencing him. I don't exactly know, but I can see which side he's lined up on and I can see which countries and political allies he's aligned with. Very clear to me, but right here, he's downplaying the attack saying, we don't yet know what happened on October 7th. He says, maybe there were some individual cases of civilians getting killed. And I've watched other social media influencers take a similar kind of stance, suggesting that what happened on October 7th maybe wasn't even real, that it didn't happen, or if it did, it wasn't nearly as bad, or that the Israelis did it to themselves. And that it's the Israelis to blame for what Hamas did. And it's very skillful propaganda. And it's become one of the newest tricks in the book, I would say, when it comes to propaganda and information warfare. Blame the other side, not only of for what you're doing, but blame the other side for what you have done to them. Oh, yeah, we didn't kill those people. The Israelis killed themselves. And for some reason, people actually buy into it and believe it. And I've been seeing a lot of that in the West as well, where people self are into self-destruction, self-harm. It's, to me, the strangest thing. Throw a Palestinian flag during a visit. There he is signing that guitar for the daughter of the Colombian president. And then they hold up the Palestinian flag. Okay. But it's this downplaying of the attack on the on the seventh, as though, oh, it doesn't, you know, it's not, it wasn't that bad. Probably didn't even happen, essentially, is what he's getting at. He says, I want American people, Americans most to understand the plight of the Palestinians, to understand what it means to live under military occupation, to understand the concept of ethnic cleansing, the meaning of apartheid, where it applies, and where it doesn't with regard to Israel, and so on, are few so said. Um, I don't know. We've lost track of where we're at in this story. Okay, but the point is, <sighs> there are two sides to the story, two sides to the conflict. If someone is putting all the blame on one side and not the other, then they pick the side and they seem to be pretty biased to me. 
And given what Roger Waters has done in the past and what he's doing now, I'm not, I, I don't put a lot of credibility in him, but he has such a huge voice, a massive worldwide megaphone, and he's been using his concerts to, you know, push his political beliefs, his political agenda to the point where he's really alienated a lot of the people in his life because he is so extreme. And yet some, more and more people are talking like him. I find it honestly disturbing because it's not balanced. Here he is in an interview just recently with Abby Martin. I don't know. Maybe I'll, I'll, maybe I'll lose some friends here tonight because people are so polarized on this whole thing. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm just not into this death on either side. And uh, I see... <laughs> This is not accurate. This is not truthful discussion. Not really. Sorry. Just isn't. Crimes probably is 75. He's making excuses here. Okay, but did some of Sorry, restart. Okay, but did some of Hamas commit war crimes? Probably. It's 75 years they've been occupied. You know, we let's get let's get this absolutely straight. And this is what they're trying to string me up on the lamppost for sir. Okay. Did they commit war crimes? Well, yeah, but like a war crime is a war crime is a war crime. But they've been occupied for 75 years. Yeah, you know what? World War II happened. World War I happened. All of this history happened. The United Nations established Israel in a vote after these wars. They carved out places on a map so both sides had a place to live. And after all this time, the conflict rages because you know that Okay, so Israel had a toehold in there. What well, the Jewish people did, they'll tell you otherwise, people like Roger Waters, but they, they've always been there to some degree or another. And then after World War II, the Balfour Declaration, and in they come, and they establish the state of Israel, but the Palestinians will not accept it. And backed up by, you know, many of the Arab nations around them now, and the BRICS nations as well. And left-wing political activists like Roger Waters, they have the support of the left now. And they just will not accept it. And so the conflict continues. And I'm not defending anything Israel has done in Gaza with regard to the way that civilians have been affected by this at all either. Both sides need to do not have clean hands here. But this... What he's saying here is, yeah, they committed war crimes, but no, no, but no, but no, but. And then let him go on and listen. Is that they have a legal and moral right to bear arms against the invader and the occupier of their land. They're upset it again. Go and get the ropes. String me up from the nearest lamppost. It's. Well, I don't want to string you up, Roger, but 
But it's just not that simple because you're just making this assertion that Israel has no right to be there, that they have to get the hell out. That's basically what you're saying. This is not a serious discussion. This is an extreme position. It's anti-Israel. It's anti-Jewish. It's the truth. Hmm. We can't pretend it's not true, you know. Um, so it, it's, well, I know it's, I know it's difficult for everybody, but nobody can imagine what it's like being in Gaza, particularly. I can't. I mean, it's nobody, unprecedented. Nobody could possibly. Actually, it's not unprecedented. <laughs> Unfortunately, we've seen many things through history where people have been forced to live in unspeakable conditions in war zones. We've seen mass genocides throughout history. Unfortunately, it's part of the human condition. And it's inside all of us if we let it escape and we don't control it. It's not unprecedented at all. And that's the horror of all of this. Possibly imagined what it's like. And to actually get your mind around the fact that the American people are doing this, are, are standing by and allowing this to happen to you. What do they believe? The propaganda that you're animals and that your children are animals and that you're all terrorists and blah, blah, blah. And we hear talk like that from both sides. Both sides. It's not just one side. Therein lies the problem in this conversation. By the way, Israel does not have a right to defend itself. What? You see there, Israel does not have a right to defend itself. So his position is, Israel's an occupying force. They're colonizers, settlers. Hamas, the Palestinians, whoever. They have the right to bear arms, come in and kill civilians, even though it's a war crime because they've been occupied. They can just kill people. And then as long as they leave the Israeli territory, Israel has no right to retaliate. None. None. I mean, it has a right. Say, it's, okay, some of Hamas, we're pretty sure, came across the border on October. Oh, he's pretty sure some of Hamas came across the border on October 7th. He's pretty sure. <laughs> Do you think? Yeah, they, they, they live streamed it, dude. Do the Israelis have a right to fight them? At the moment, yeah, because it's called Israel and you have a right to defend your. Do they have a right to attack Gaza in retaliation? No. Ah, right. So Israel has no right to defend itself. Hearing way too much talk like that. See, it's just... Um... <sighs> I 
I'm not trying to take a side here. Actually, that's not true. It's not true. I'm not on Israel's side, and I'm not on Palestine's side. I'm just on the side of truth. And the truth of the matter is, if you take an extreme position one way or the other on this, or you just pick a side, then it's the other. both sides want to exterminate each other. And then we've got a, humani- a true humanitarian disaster on our hands and a full-scale genocide potentially. And it's not acceptable either way, in my view. And this kind of propaganda and rhetoric is not helpful because it is designed to polarize people even more. He's encouraging people to take an anti-Israel, anti-Jew stance to support Palestine, knowing full well that that kind of rhetoric undermines support for funding, blah, blah, blah. If the United States doesn't support Israel, it's gone, man. And that means huge death. So I don't know, man. I don't know exactly what the solution is here. I think this has just gone on too long. They're fighting over dirt. Religion aside, they're fighting over dirt. A small parcel of dirt. Putting the entire planet at risk. Because this could easily plunge us into a full-blown third world war shooting war over dirt. People better learn to live with each other, find a way to live together, or live apart. But this is no good. And Roger Waters... Sorry. You lost me, man. You lost me. Back there. Should have been paying closer attention a long time ago. Difficult to sit in this chair these days. Just so much darkness out there. But don't despair, folks. Better days are ahead. They have to be. (laughs) They just have to be. And yet the propaganda continues. And here's another example. The New York Times. What a rag. 
produced a story about Israel supporting Hamas. At least that's the way the headline reads. And because of their story, other media outlets have started to pick this up. The headlines, which is about the only thing most people read, the majority of people just read headlines. They don't even bother to read even the first paragraph of an article. It's designed to make people buy into this idea that Israel actually support has been supporting Hamas, which leads people then to believe or come to the conclusion from the headline that Israel must therefore be, the Israeli government must be to blame for the attacks that Hamas committed against Israel. Here it is. Israel drove suitcases stuffed with cash into Gaza to keep Hamas in power. New York Times. This is the business insider version of this story that is, is making the rounds. It says Israel tacitly encouraged Hamas to stay in power, according to the New York Times. But there's more to the story, folks. In some cases, it says here Israeli support was more obvious. Um, and then it says Israeli security forces would help escort millions in funds into Gaza, helping Hamas, the NYT reported. So what is this really, though? What is it really? Well, you read those, even those first few lines, the headline, the first paragraph or two of this. And as I say, you, you're led to believe that somehow this is like a double-edged sword. Israel, you know, funding Hamas so that Hamas could then turn around and attack Israel. They're, they're funding their own enemy. And well, that's not exactly what was going on. says uh, Israel officials are facing backlash after years of Benjamin Bibi Netanyahu quietly allowing Hamas to remain in power. Quietly allowing Hamas to remain in power. <laughs> what this really was, and if you read down further, is Israel had some sort of a peace deal going on with Hamas. So they were sending money to Hamas. And it was sort of a backdoor, quiet, informal agreement where if they were giving them money, Hamas would not attack. That's what was going on. And it says so in the article here. In 2018, Netanyahu's administration came up with a plan, according to the New York Times, as part of a peace agreement with Hamas. Qatar would bring millions into Gaza to distribute to Gazan families. That's a whole lot different in my estimation than sending money to Hamas, just sending money indiscriminately for or, or just They just sent money, millions and millions of dollars to Hamas. No reason other than what? To just fund Hamas. No, it was a peace deal. But they bury the lead intentionally as part of their propaganda new york times left wing rag always has been very left wing rag politically correct neoliberal woke at times pro communist left wing rag i don't mind 
some of my socialist friends. I don't even mind some of my communist friends. I just don't like deception. I don't like propaganda. I don't like lies. I don't like this kind of reporting. I don't like misleading headlines. But it is a time of war. And as the old saying goes, the first casualty of war is truth. Jingle bells. Trudeau smells. Biden laid an egg. Klaus Schwab's deal has no appeal. But tomorrow is a brand new day. Hey everyone. Have a merry maverick Christmas. And a magnificent new year. Okay, and let's uh, pick up this, uh, these comments from Canada's Foreign Affairs Minister, Melanie Jolie. Il y a environ deux mois, le Hamas a lancé son She attaque is, terroriste contre uh, Israël, que nous continuons de condamner fermement. L'attaque du Hamas a coûté la vie de 1200 personnes, and dont de nombreuses with, femmes um, et enfants. Le Canada continue de pleurer la perte de neuf Canadiens et de tout Canada faire en son pouvoir pour ramener la Canadienne disparue à la maison. Les Israéliens et les communautés juives du monde entier continuent d'éprouver de la douleur et du chagrin pour le peuple israélien. Et aux Israéliens et aux communautés juives du Canada et du monde entier, je voudrais dire que le Canada et les Canadiens ressentent aussi votre douleur. As we continue to uncover the unspeakable level of brutality used by Hamas, including horrific scenes of sexual violence, our hearts break for every life that has been stolen and for the loved ones whose lives have been forever changed. From the very beginning, we have said that Israel has the right to defend itself and how Israel defends itself matters. It matters for the future of both Israelis and Palestinians, and it matters for the future of the region. Since October 7, over 18,000 Palestinian civilians have been killed in Gaza. Thousands of children are now orphans. Countless Palestinian civilians in Gaza are suffering without water, food, fuel, or medicine, and their homes have been reduced to rubble. We must recognize that what is unfolding before our eyes will only enhance the cycle of violence. Well, this will not lead to the durable defeat of Hamas, which is necessary, and the threat that it poses to Israel. With the future of Israelis and Palestinians in mind, Canada is joining the international call for a humanitarian ceasefire. We have done so in a joint statement with Australia and New Zealand earlier today, and we have done so this afternoon at the UN. Nous devons reconnaître que ce qui se déroule sous nos yeux... Okay. So that's enough. 
we know where we're at now with all of that. We know that uh, Republicans are push Republicans are pushing back against Biden's proposed aid package for Ukraine, which also includes funding for Israel, because they want U.S. border operations defined and more robust defenses at home on the domestic borders. And if they don't get that, they're going to have a rough time getting approval for additional funding for these wars. So today Zelensky met with lawmakers on Capitol Hill, including with senators. He was in that closed-door meeting this morning. And then after he met with House Speaker Mike Johnson, and that is, uh, that's the guy right there that Zelensky had to make an impression with because he's been one of the biggest obstacles to, uh, to Biden's call for ongoing funding. So not looking good for Ukraine and honestly not looking good for Israel because they really at this point have lost so much public support by pushing back so hard. Definitely in my view, a mistake. Should not have done that. I knew it was a mistake. Didn't want to see that, but that's what they did. You know? Mm-mm. Nope. And Hamas never should have done what it did on October 7th either. It's a mess. And it is not going to end anytime soon. Even if they get the ceasefire, this thing's not over. I mean, <laughs> I have my own views on what I would do to resolve the whole thing, but they're pretty much irrelevant because nobody's going to listen to me anyway. And I would, I would say this. I don't think it's going to matter what happens. This conflict will not end as long as Israel is there and as long as Palestinians are living next door in any way because the Palestinians are not going to accept it. And it's it's a long-term disaster in the making, a long-term catastrophe because Israel's survival as a nation state in that location is based on a couple of things in the long, long run. Superiority, superiority in technology so that they have the defensive capabilities to neutralize any attacks that come their way now and into the future indefinitely. And at some point, their adversaries will gang up, combine forces, develop new technologies, something to get around what they have. And then they've got a serious problem. It might be a year from now, 10 years, 50 years, 100 years. But I can't see Israel sitting there indefinitely unless 
they always have the technological, the tech, the, the technology to always have the upper hand in terms of defense and even offense militarily. Or they get rid of those Palestinians as a threat. Or three, they somehow miraculously find some way to live side by side in a two-state solution. But it's pretty clear there are too many people, I think on both sides, who don't really want that. Too much bigotry and hate on both sides. And unfortunately, we here in the West have some degree of responsibility in this because the United Nations basically created Israel as a nation state in that location. And now they're fighting over dirt. If it were up to me, I would, <laughs> I would say, hey, Let's just move one side or the other completely out of there and create a new homeland someplace and just put them all someplace far away from each other. A new piece of dirt where they can live happy, productive, great lives in peace. And because they're far enough away from each other, maybe then they can learn to be friendly. The sharing of biased and false, false news has become all too common on, on social, social media. media. More alarmingly, some media In an ocean of lies a century deep, the truth awaits. Choose not the red pill. Choose not the blue pill. For both are an illusion. Discover the power of M. The power of individuality. We are mavericks. We are the way to the light. Fear not the storm. Join our quest for truth. Truth will set you free. Maverick News. The world is watching. I'll tell you what I don't want to do. I don't want to fight World War II all over again as World War III. People just can't let things go. What is it? Why? Anyway, let's talk about other stuff. Uh, in Canada, the premier of the Northwest Territories wants a complete carbon tax exemption. He's Canada's newest premier. And R.J. Simpson said that the costs are already high. Higher costs are not the solution up in the Northwest Territories, he says. He says the carbon pricing framework set up by Canada's federal government requires provinces to implement their own systems that are in line with federal standards or use the federal system that's in place. 
so that Northwest Territories has its own carbon pricing system rather than relying on the federal government and some other provinces do as well. But as you know, the Trudeau liberals supported by the left-wing socialist NDP led by Jagmeet Singh, they are pushing ahead with their carbon tax plan and that is going to make it extremely, well, a lot more expensive for people to heat their homes and drive their cars and for truckers to bring your groceries to the grocery store and everything else you buy to whatever store you go to, your hardware, your software. Well, not maybe your software if you're downloading it, but if you're going to Best Buy, and buying your software in a box, it's going to cost you more. So we've seen a real pushback on this carbon tax earlier from the province of Alberta and the premier there, Danielle Smith. And now the premier of Northwest Territories as well. And some other premiers um, also making waves. Trudeau is up against some pretty serious opposition. And then the COP28 climate change summit didn't shape up quite the way some people were thinking because the language at the end of this whole thing watered right down. They went to an oil producing nation in the heart of oil producing country for the planet and came away with watered down language on oil production. Anyway, just a little sidebar there tonight. Um, in Canada as well, further acknowledgement of the housing crisis. Canada's um, housing minister, Sean Fraser, said today that um, they're looking at maybe implementing a plan very similar to what we had following World War II to help veterans buy houses, sort of um, a wartime housing effort, which would involve sort of producing in, in massive volumes standardized housing units, sort of smaller houses like they had after World War II that were affordable, but by standardizing the construction, they sort of get pre-approval on a lot of the, the building requirements, right? The, um, the permits and so forth. He said today that we're living in a housing crisis, but it's not the first time Canada has been here. He said after the Second World War, when many thousands of soldiers were returning home to be reunited with their families at once, Canada faced enormous housing crunches. So now they're looking at um, building these I don't know what they're really calling them, but they were wartime houses, or I think back then they referred to them as victory homes, or in some cases, even strawberry box homes. You saw a lot of these things built, uh, you know, even up into the 50s and even sometimes into the 1970s in Canada, and they're still around. Those homes built entire neighborhoods into the suburbs. And I know everybody's talking about 15-minute cities and so on, but this is 
backpedaling to maybe an old approach, and we'll see what happens with that. I don't put a lot of faith in the current federal government, though, to come up with viable plans. They'll probably screw it up. But that is kind of where we need to go. And we've seen some presidential candidates, including Robert F. Kennedy Jr., also make reference to a housing plan similar to that. I think his is more on the financial side to create financial incentives or financial tax breaks and so on for first-time home buyers to help them get over that hump where increasing real estate costs are a barrier to entry into the housing market at home ownership and taking part in the American or Canadian dream. Somehow we're going to work this out, folks. When finally even the, uh, the progressive liberals in Canada are cluing in that it's time to do something serious and expedite housing construction by coming up with a real plan. <laughs> you know, you know, the time has come to, to actually start to find solutions. So hopefully this will lead to something productive. And I don't think Justin Trudeau is going to be around much longer anyway, maybe another year um, at tops. And, uh, and then we'll have an election and hopefully we have a change of the guard. Um, tonight also wanted to bring your attention to this story about this news anchor at WICU-TV, Erie, Pennsylvania, a channel that I used to watch when I was young, just as a note. But uh, the news anchor there, Emily Watt, Matson, sorry. I don't, I don't watch Erie anymore. I don't get the station down. Well, I, I could watch it. I have access to it somehow. But anyway, um, I just don't watch much TV anymore. She passed away. And while this is sort of a local story, it started to make national and even international headlines with headlines that Emily Madsen died suddenly. Died suddenly. Well, you use language like that in your headline and you know what people start to think of immediately. When someone dies suddenly, what are you thinking of? So today I saw some posts from some social media influencers that even I know personally who were reposting this and saying that the cause of death was not being revealed, leading people to, of course, speculate about maybe something might have been the cause, except that ain't the case. And I'm disturbed as a journalist and just as a human being by what I saw today with regard to that story. Emily Matson finally 
cause of death revealed, released, says in that headline. But do you know why initially the cause of death was not revealed? There's a cause of death which is very often not revealed out of, for compassionate reasons, for respect, out of respect for family members. But I think because of all the hype surrounding her death, they finally decided to release the information. So Emily Matson, well-known anchor in her community. She, uh, she didn't die because of this thing here in the harm. She died because she was hit by a train. And they, they're saying it was suicide. You know, in all the years I worked in mainstream media, we would sometimes learn of suicides. And we would not, as a rule, generally report that as a cause of death because it was too painful for the families. When I sit in this chair, I try to be honest and truthful and responsible. And I have to tell you, I got sick to my stomach today when I saw what was being done with her story. I saw the initial reports and I thought, well, died suddenly just like the documentary. But the cause of death was not released. You deal in facts. Mm -mm. Clickbait. Disgusting. Not acceptable. Think about that, folks. Yeah, I know people don't trust the mainstream media anymore. I get it. But I'm not following journalists who do things like that.
Maverick News. The world is watching. we have here make sure i'm not missing anything oh oh yeah it looks like the uh, president of um harvard will not be stepping down looks like uh, she has survived the backlash from a congressional hearing into the rise of anti-Semitism on university and college campuses where some of the presidents of various universities are sort of being held accountable for the actions and words of pro-Palestinian protesters on their campuses. Ah. Uh, what else do we have? I think we're just about at the end of all of that. So, um, yeah, blah, blah, blah. All this, a lot of stuff. I'm just doing a quick scroll here to make sure from this newswire that we have covered all the bases here tonight. I think we have. Let's, uh, Okay. You want to go to the phones? Should we do that briefly? Sure. Let's do that. Okay. You convinced me. I'm going to run a couple of promos, get the phone system set up, and then you guys can weigh in on tonight's conversation. We can talk about that, some other stuff, whatever you want. Um, what about that tornado down in Tennessee? Oh, my. That was wicked. That was wicked. Powerful storm. Super powerful. In fact, before we go to the phones, let me show you. Yeah, and I, I don't need to go to the Claudine Gay information, president of Harvard. You know, I just told you she's not resigning. So she'll survive to see another day, but holy smokes. Check this footage out here of that tornado. It's, I'm a little late to the game on this one, but this footage was sent to me by one of our Mavericks. And I'm going to share it with you because it just shows you what the people in Clarksville, that area, are going to have to deal with as they take steps to recover from this devastating, devastating 
tornado earlier this week. Here we go. Check this out. Clarksville, Tennessee. A series of powerful tornadoes swept across Tennessee on Saturday, killing at least six people, injuring dozens more, and leaving tens of thousands without electricity. The storms also caused widespread damage to homes, businesses, and infrastructure in several counties. According to the Montgomery County authorities, three of the victims were a child and two adults who died when a tornado touched down in the afternoon. Another 23 people were treated at the hospital for various injuries. County Mayor West Golden said it was a sad day for the community and asked for prayers for those affected by the disaster. You're welcome. Look, mommy. Three more fatalities were reported in the suburbs of Nashville where the Nashville Office of Emergency Management said the tornadoes had caused catastrophic damage to some areas. The National Weather Service had issued a tornado emergency alert earlier in the day, warning residents to take shelter immediately. Oh, shit. Oh, my God.
thing. Wow. Look at all that debris. So we're at, we're at Tobacco and Sandburg and Clarksville near Fort Campbell. This is incredible. Thank you. The storms also knocked out power to more than 80,000 customers in Tennessee, according to a website that tracks outages. The Montgomery County Sheriff's Office said there was damage to several homes in the city of Clarksville, which has a population of over 220,000. Multiple trees, power lines and houses were also hit by the storms in the rural town of Dresden. Emergency services said saw that officials urge people to stay off the roads as emergency crews were working to clear the debris and restore the services. The Montgomery County said on its Facebook page that it was still in the search and rescue phase of the disaster and that a local school and church were set up to shelter those displaced or in need of assistance. Clarksville Mayor Joe Pitts said the storm was an unexpected and unwanted event that had caused extensive damage throughout the community. He thanked the first responders and volunteers for their efforts and asked for patience and cooperation from the public. The tornadoes were part of a larger storm system that affected several states in the South and Midwest, killing dozens of people and causing severe weather conditions. The storm system was expected to move eastward and bring snow and freezing rain to parts of the East Coast and the Northeast. Oh my god, it's like right in front of Oh my god. Oh my god. This next song is a song. Yeah. So we know that the cleanup there is continuing. I have to tell you, um, when I, I've been down to Tennessee, and I think they've got the friendliest people maybe in the world there. Unbelievably friendly. I could not believe. I went down there to do a, a special documentary many years ago, uh, probably maybe 20 years ago. And uh, the hospitality, the just everywhere I went, the people were just so friendly. Um, still stuck, sticks with me today. But yeah, just uh, checking here and...
Yeah, the local officials there, they say that uh, residents in the region are familiar with severe weather in late fall. They say Saturday's storm came nearly two years to the day after the National Weather Service recorded 41 tornadoes through a handful of states, including 16 in Tennessee and eight in Kentucky. A total of 81 people died in Kentucky alone. That was uh, previously. So at least six tornado tracks were reported Saturday in central Tennessee. They did release names of some of the people who were killed. And the cleanup continues, community efforts. And uh, we're praying for them. For the folks down there. I know we had that severe storm here in my town uh, back in the summer. We couldn't broadcast that night. And uh, it wasn't anywhere near as severe as that. It was pretty bad here. It took me two days just to clean up all the debris and branches and stuff in our yard. Chopping everything up with a chainsaw and everything, but uh, you know, I was—we were very, very fortunate here. No real serious damage. Nobody really hurt here. But even with that, I still see damage around the neighborhood from that storm. So, what these folks are facing down there in Tennessee—they've—they've they've got a real challenge on their hands. Let's uh, take a quick break, and we'll come back and go to. The phones. Jingle bells. Trudeau smells. Biden laid an egg. Klaus Schwab's deal has no appeal. But tomorrow is a brand new day. Hey everyone. Have a merry maverick Christmas and a magnificent new year. Greetings brave mavericks. Our quest for truth continues. We go beyond fake news. Together we expose propaganda. Together we pull others. Out. Of rabbit holes. We are maverick thinkers. We are all unique individuals. Individuals. Defenders of individual rights. And freedoms. Credible. Trusted. Grounded in reality. Maverick News. Maverick News. Defending free speech, free speech, speech. Donate at freedomreporters.com. Do it now. Now. Tomorrow. Maybe too late. Too late. Too late. Too late. Maverick News. The world is watching. I'm back. 
a note about last night's program. And I do want to clarify something because I guess I threw a few people for a bit of a loop. There was a video that ran that looked like it was uh, the channel being hijacked by Anonymous. You may recall that that video ran some months ago. Um, back at a time when we were actually under cyber attack. And then I produced that video as sort of a, an attempt at satire, a joke. Well, it ended up in the lineup of videos inadvertently last night. And I triggered it, not intentionally. I thought it was another video. Not really a big deal, um, but it ran. And some people thought it was real. So it, it not hacked, not real. It was me replaying that old humorous, I thought it was funny, <laughs> video that made it look like we'd been hacked by Anonymous. Didn't happen. It was a joke. It didn't really mean to tell the joke again last night because it was actually out of date. It was an old video from a long time ago. But be not alarmed. All is well here. We are secure. Everything is fine. Uh, but I, I wanted to make sure that everybody knew. Because I, I, I guess I did a pretty good job making it look authentic. Um, but I don't want to lead anybody astray. That's what was going on last night. Some people were concerned. Uh, what, what, what else are you concerned about tonight? You guys can call in and join the conversation. Let me see if we're actually connected here. I believe we are. So let me put the number up here. First of all, let me remind you that you can support the show and help pay for, help us cover the costs of running these phones and cover the other expenses that we have. Producing this every night, this is 100% entirely supported by you, the viewers, you, the people. So if you want to help contribute to this platform to ensure that we continue to offer you a platform for free speech, you can do that by donating at maverickdonations.com or the other platform to do that on is freedomreporters.com. You can also donate through the Rumble Rants. Please like, share, subscribe. You know the drill. If you're on Facebook, share, share, share. If you're on YouTube, hit the notification bell. And please, please consider subscribing over on Rumble where we continue to grow. It's the free speech video platform, especially for long form conversations like the ones we have every night here on the Maverick News Channel. We're on Twitter too, broadcasting there. But uh, I have not learned how to master Twitter. I just don't pay enough attention to it. We have some people watching there, but I just, I see so many people, you know, having great success over there, attracting an audience, but I'm just not sure that our format is well suited to, uh, to the Twitter social media outlet with Elon Musk. I think it's more for short form stuff, which maybe I should be producing more of. Anyway, not a big deal because we still have each other and we're still here. Let me put the phone number up on the screen. So if you'd like to call and join the conversation tonight, 
you can do that by calling 1-833-975-3733. That's 1-833-975-3733. Phone lines are open now, and we'll I push a couple more buttons, and you guys get yourselves uh, situated so that you can dial in. I will run this. Maverick News. The world is watching. is watching indeed it is and now the whole world is starting to call in and let's take our first caller of the night who do we have on the line hello hello who's this hey rick it's it's the tree so i'm celtic love in the chat Oh, well, welcome. Welcome to the, uh, not the chat, but the actual show. Actually, you, I think he's just one of those, you know, uh, I think one of those, like, I'm supposed to be a dame or something like that a long time ago. Oh, yes. Okay. Yeah. Well, I can arrange that. Did you want to all do that at the end? What did you want to talk about? Tonight? No, you did that already. I'm already dinged. Oh, okay. Sorry, I'm having trouble keeping track of who's calling in. Well, welcome back. Oh, no, I'm, I've always been here. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but you're back tonight to talk. So oh, I just called in tonight. Why? Uh, it seems really weird because I see you on TV, but I'm calling you from my phone. That's pretty weird. I don't know. My, my dad used to say that all the time when I would be on television, he would, he, I'd come home, right. Or I'd go over to his place or whatever. And he'd be there and he'd say, how can you be on TV and be here at the same time? 
And I would just shake my head because he would just tell bad dad jokes like that all the time. Well, I'm really, uh, I feel very grateful to be able to talk to you. Well, it's my privilege. What would you like to talk about? What's on your mind? Any thoughts about the news today or did you have, did you just call to say hi, which is okay? Or did you have anything specific you wanted to chat about? Oh, you know what? There is a really bad echo. So yes, I, um, I, I, I was thinking that maybe we were infiltrated in my conversation here because you're coming back and forth. Um, it's it's probably because you have the audio up on your your computer. I have I have my TV, but I'm on my cell phone, right? Yeah, there's a delay, you see, because it takes time for right. the for everything to go through the system. It's just a delay. That's all it is. Yeah. Okay. So I don't want to take up all your time. I do support you. Um, I would like to also ask you because I have I have supported your channel, but it is really uh, strange. Like when I went into the support to support you on the freedomreporters.com. Mm -hmm. yep. um, ever since I, rep I supported you on that, I have been, my, my email got like, it, I don't know if it was that, but there, there was nothing that I did outside of that because I'm a very private person mm -hmm. and it it's like I just am bombarded with like 50 to 60 emails every day since I did that. So what kind I of emails like like spam that. advertising type emails? Yeah, just total spam. Like it's all about everything from my age group like anything to do with like your knee problems, your hip problems, your brain problems, dementia, um all this stuff to do with older people, right? Because I think the people that follow you are usually my age in their 50s or above. And I think that whatever, someone leaked that out because I never had any spams. Plus, I've never supported any media company before either. So I love you and I will continue to support you. But I, you sent me an email to thank me, and you're so wonderful. You're so amazing, and I appreciate that. So I will try to communicate with you via your email okay. so I can send a check because I don't want to do it through, um, you know, like online because mm -hmm. I've never had an issue with that before. Anyway. I don't know because that, that link, that link takes, takes people to PayPal is where that goes. And there shouldn't be any, like I'm not aware of any thing on there that would prompt, like they don't have any advertising or stuff to click on on that that page. Yeah. So it doesn't make sense to me. And of course we don't, like I don't have any affiliation with anything like that. So I'm not sure. No, I'm not it, saying that you do. I'm just yeah. trying to understand how does this get out there because I've never had an issue yeah. ever. And then when I went, I went to talk to my um, provider and they said, oh, you must have done something. You must have done something. I said, no, never. I've never done anything. The only thing I've ever done is pay 
for this. And I don't blame you for it. Mm. Or not at all, Rick. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. something, something cyberly all it takes. All it takes, because I do a lot of computer work, you just have to click on something. Click on an ad. Click on something in your email that somebody sends you as, as spam that then they, they track you with cookies so they know what you're doing and then they can figure out what your um, your interests are and then they start to put ads in front of you. So if you're on social media, they keep putting ads in front of you. If you clicked on something in your email and then get a hold of that email somehow, then they can... You know, they, they'll start to send you email. And then if you're on an email list, which, you know, we don't sell any lists or anything like that. But if so, if they get a hold of your, your email and put you on a list, sometimes they'll sell that somehow. I don't know. I know no idea, but it's it's not it's pretty easy to get yourself into that. I get stuff on mine all the time because I inadvertently click on things and I get spammed. Too. Yeah, but are are you are you like deleting fifty to a hundred a day? I don't oh. have a business, but I'm deleting fifty to a hundred a day on my email now. Yeah, um, way more than that. <laughs> in my, in my oh, case, yeah, I guess, because I just I guess you are. Yeah, yeah, I get hundreds of emails from people, yeah. just real emails, and then we I get yeah. all the spam too because I'm so active online, right? But that's okay. Yeah, I shouldn't compare myself to you. Anyways, that's on a okay. happier note, I just want to be able to um, bring a sense of joy. Like, there is so much beauty in this world, Rick. And we're in so much pain, all of it. Yes. It's, it's horrible. It is really horrible. And I love the chat. Like, I've been watching you on YouTube the last, month i couldn't get you on youtube i'm normally in the rumble i can't get rumble on my tv so mm -hmm. i can't sit on a couch and just watch rumble and listen to the chat i have to be busy all the time and it's so hard when i sit down and sometimes i involve myself in the chat and i love every single person and it's so wonderful to just see you blossom into the man that you are because when I first met you on TV when I saw you first I thought you were just like who is this guy what's going on with this guy he, he's really looking for truth he's really searching and I had I have grown with you and myself through this journey it has and I yeah, really appreciate everything that you've done because you know you're you know when you get <laughs> when you get set up i stand back like a mother and i go stop it rick stop it <laughs> and it's so funny because i do i treat you like wake up like a brother like kind of like no you're not going to give up rick you've got to keep going so i really want to tell you and um just to let the world know everything is going to be okay <laughs> we're not done we are going to uh we're, we're we're entering into this new form that is beyond a lot of people's understanding but with love with love 
with yeah. love and with respect, we will get through this. Yes. And it's up to us to give up our egos and mm-hmm. to say, I love you. Stop being afraid to hug a person, yep. to love, to be able to say, what can I do for you? Because when you give to others, what you get back is 15-fold. You can never expect that kind of love in return. Yeah. And what you are doing, Rick, is God's work. And I appreciate that. I know people may not accept me from where I'm coming from, but I have my life. I grew up in my way. I have had my experience. And I'm only projecting my knowledge onto this beautiful family that I have felt a very deep connection with and that I watched, I've watched you for two years now, at least more than two years. Since the, when was the freaking trucker convoy? So yeah. I don't know how long that's been. It seems like a lifetime. It seems like it's almost embedded in our bones. As Canadians, yep. because as Canadians, we will never forget that. That yes. was the wake-up call for us as Canadians. To speak up, reach out and say, we will not tolerate or comply. Yep. End of story. Doesn't matter what bitch or bastard comes into our lives, we have a foundation. And that foundation is love, respect, and Canadian. We accept everything. Do not come into our country and change our culture. Do not come in and say we cannot respect Jesus, Judaism, Muslims, whatever religion. But if you come in and you bring your history, you are not allowed. You come into our country under Christian law. Christian law is the son of God. And regardless of what religion, we are under the power of God. And we must respect him at all costs. I respect all religion because if you have a religion, you have morals. But you cannot kill others or disrespect or hate. Everything comes from love. If we don't love each other, we can't exist together on this earth. We must love each other. That's exactly right. Your thoughts, Rick. I think that Did we I need. Yeah, I think you. Like yeah, no, you absolutely. Woman? You you nailed that, man. And it's like, as I've been saying for the last few nights, we need to stop being ashamed. 
of of our country. We need to start finding what really started to come to the surface during the convoy, which was a sense of national pride again. I'd been a long time since I had seen people waving the Canadian flag. And, uh, you know, Americans, they get it a little bit more. But even down there, they need to embrace their patriotism again, too, and find the positive things about their country, their community, their society. Embrace the flag. Um, if you want to call it nationalism, yeah, that's-, that's fine. But, you know, but yeah, you know, and Canadians, too. And and be, be well, OK. I don't remember what the year. Yeah, I don't remember what the year was because I'm so like COVID has totally fucked up my head. Like, when was it that they brought in, you know, the 200 or whatever, the 150 kids that were uh, the 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 kids in Western on uh, Canada were they found the grave like graves apparently they have never found these graves. Like, oh, 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 yeah. They have never identified them. And what that was, I think, I don't know if it was 2019 or 2020 when lockdown happened, mm-hmm. but I know it was the breakdown of Canada. It yeah. was the total immediate breakdown of our country because yeah. I went into a, a flip. It. I was recovering from a, a, a very bad accident. I broke both my hips. I was supposed to die. I never died. Anyways, I was in I was in rehab for like pretty much all of 19, 2019. And I was dying inside trying to figure out what the heck is going on here. Now I'm I'm a Catholic, like my 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 Catholicism's now being tested. Everything is being tested. Now we're then we went in, I don't know if it was before or after because I was in such a brain fart at the time, recovering. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. Everything is orchestrated. To my understanding, it's to take out Christianity. What what this government, which is what I believe the third government is, has done, mm-hmm. is to remove Christianity yep. totally from our country. And I truly believe, like, you know, the the churches that are being bombed right now, that's mm-hmm. not, are not bombed, but being put on fire. Yeah. Sorry, I come from Belfast, Northern Ireland. I grew up with bombs. But the churches that are being set on fire, that that is not just happening uh, just because. Yep. This is orchestrated to in order to, what's going on in Israel, well, you know, the, that little um, dwarf that showed up in Washington was to meet with uh, the Biden thing that's supposed to re- uh, be the president. Well, anyways, he that was a joke. I watched that all today, and that was a joke. I can't even think about it anymore because it's just a joke. Anyone that doesn't understand that they, they were both reading they were not looking up. When Trump speaks, he does not read from a paper. He looks at you. He talks to the people. They don't look at something that's like scripted. Mm-hmm. How can you understand? I could do that and I could be president. I can read from a piece of paper. Like, get over it, people. Like, why are the Americans so stupid? Oh, 
I don't know. Why am why am I feeling so frustrated? <laughs> I don't know. You're off to a slow start, but you're on a roll now. <laughs> <laughs> I don't I don't want to be because I don't want to seem like I'm that way. I'm just trying to educate people. Like if we don't hold our love, love is the most important thing ever. If we don't hold on to that, and we if we escape, if we let all the fear and all this stuff come in we lose control of everything mm -hmm. yep. we have to hold on to it i'm a very um very private person very very private like i don't go into the chat very often only when i feel like i have something to say mm -hmm. and i watch every single night i never miss a night ever and i i just sometimes don't feel like joining the chat because I don't think there's anything I can educate. But I want to educate too, not just the Rumble chat, because it's the greatest chat in the entire world. But I want um, to reach out to all the Mavericks and YouTube and all the other channels that you need to realize that we are in the greatest time of our lives. We are so blessed to be here. This is great. We're not looking at World War III. Who thinks there's going to be World War III? We've been living it for 45 years. <laughs> We're just yeah. getting out of it now. Yeah. And this is going to be amazing, Rick. No, I tell so. me something that I don't already know. Um, well, I know that uh, Zexy Lee has filed a, another lawsuit against some of the, the Freedom Convoy defendants like Tamara Litch and Chris Barber and some of the others named in this lawsuit. Uh, I think it's a new one. Um, what was it's worth? I heard about it today. I got some notes on it. Uh, the $290 million or some crazy amount of like that. Don't quote me on that. Let me confirm this for you. Um, now, Sexy Lee, who was a government paid yeah. advocate to... This is so really ridiculous. Like you look at uh, what's that little um, fucking ugly bitch? Oh, Teresa Tom. Yeah, the um, Fauci of Canada, right? Uh, Teresa Tom, the Fauci of Canada, right? Yeah, yeah. Teresa Tom. Here's Here's the story. This is from the Justice Center for Constitutional Freedoms. Bring that up. Sorry, did, did I interrupt you? Did you have more to say about that? Oh, no, I just wanted to uh, voice my opinion that mm. Teresa Tan is the Fauci of Canada. Yeah, well, that's true. She is. She is uh, definitely in that position. And she's still, she's still on TV. I see her every time I go on MSM. And I go, what the fuck is that woman doing on my TV? Like, mm -hmm. why is she not, like, already hung and quartered by now? 
Well, you know, there's a story oh, that we're going to be. You, on YouTube? you know what? You want to know You're more on about YouTube, aren't you? Yes, yes, we are. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> That's okay. They don't they don't ban us for swearing. Um, but tomorrow night we are going to have some special guests on talking about the Adam Skelly Adamson's Adamson's barbecue lawsuit, which if successful might set a legal precedent that could help everyone that was charged during the pandemic and still has outstanding legal battles. So we're going to be talking about that tomorrow night um, with a couple of uh, special guests who are going to be on the program who are connected to that legal case. So that's related to what you were just talking about, actually. Um, so tune in tomorrow for that. Oh, gosh. Well, you know, I'm always here. Like, it doesn't yeah. matter where I am. I, I'm on. <laughs> people think I'm a freaking nut bar because, like, I got to listen to Maverick. I got to listen to Rick. I have, I'm never, I'm not always on the chat, but I listen every night. And I love all the people on the chat. I yeah. think everyone is really a great family. Mm -hmm. And I know that it, when things come to crunch, I know I could reach out to the family on the chat. And I know that someone would help me. Yep. Yep. It's true. That, that's for truth. And yeah. uh, as I would you, Rick, if you ever come down to the end of your ropes and you can't keep your channel alive, I would do everything in my power to give you as much as I can. Well, I appreciate that. You are a truth. You're, you're not a, you're a truth talker. You're not a truth seeker. You're a truth talker. Hmm. There's a difference. I suppose there is. I hadn't really you, thought of it that way, but yeah, I guess you're right. You must yeah. remove the, you know how we get labeled for truth seekers, where all these little stupid little brainwashing things that they try to put on. We're truth seekers. And that's what you are. That's what God gave you this uh, industry to do. And I truly feel that you're doing your life passion. And you are doing it without being a multimillionaire and having <laughs> lots of money and sure. going through life without yeah. stress. <laughs> yeah. But you're doing it from the passion of your heart. And you know what? It's also your soul. And when you come from your soul, God gives back to you twofold. Well, thank you. I appreciate you calling in tonight. We should move on because I've got Charlotte waiting in the wings here. Yeah, um, so. of course. Uh, but thank you very much for Good phoning in. I love you. I love you. And I love all the Mavericks. And uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to what our lives are going to turn into. I am too, actually, because I think there are brighter days ahead. We just have to get through these bumps on the road and we're going to be okay. You're right. Everything's going to be beautiful. Yep. I agree. Thank you. God bless, Rick. Okay. And just so I can just bring you guys up to speed, <clears throat> that, uh, that lawsuit, this is updated from the JCCF. $290 million lawsuit against Freedom Convoy participants designed to silence expression. 
The Justice Center announces that lawyers representing Tamara Litch, Chris Barber, and other defendants against a class action lawsuit brought by Zexy Lee and other Ottawa residents will be in court this Thursday, December 14th. Tamara Litch and the other defendants have filed an application to dismiss Zexy Lee's $290 million class action as a strategic lawsuit against public participation. A lawsuit designed to silence the expression of peaceful pro protesters. In February 2022, Ottawa residents Zexy Lee and Jeffrey Delaney, Happy Goat Coffee Company, and a local union commenced a $290 million class action lawsuit against Chris Barber, Tamara Litch, and other Freedom Convoy participants seeking damages against peaceful protesters for allegedly causing a nuisance. This lawsuit also seeks damages from citizens who donated to the peaceful protest. Anti-slap legislation serves to protect defendants against strategic lawsuits against public participation. Lawsuits designed to silence defendants' freedom of expression through threats of damages or costs. Anti-slap motions are designed to end such lawsuits and are available to a defendant in any proceeding against them. Once an anti-slap motion has been filed, the defendant must demonstrate that the proceeding against them arises from their expression that relates to a matter of public interest. If the defendant can demonstrate that their expression does relate to a matter of public interest, the plaintiff must then demonstrate that their lawsuit has substantial merit and that the defendant has no valid defense. A judge must then weigh the importance of the expression at stake against the importance of the plaintiff's allegations of harm. Lawyers in the Justice Center Network argue that the proceeding is against Tamara Litch, Chris Barber, and others do, in fact, arise from their expression. Donating to and participating in the Freedom Convoy amounted to an expression of support for the protest and of disagreement with the Government of Canada's response to COVID matters of public interest. Further, lawyers argue that Zexy Lee's class action lawsuit contains factual and legal weaknesses. It is not obvious that the proceeding against the defendants has substantial merit. Finally, the lawyers argue that the defendants do have valid defense and that the value of the expression at issue outweighs the allegations of nuisance against them. So this Thursday, December 14th, the parties will proceed to oral argument at the Ontario Superior Court of Justice, arguing that the plaintiff's entire class action lawsuit is, in fact, a slap action disguised as a nuisance claim, and that the lawsuit is merely intended to punish the defendants for participating in the 2022 Freedom Convoy protest. If successful, all or part of the class action lawsuit will be dismissed. So lawyer James Mason has stated that Zexy Lee's lawsuit engages the very purpose that anti-slap legislation was designed to address, an attempt to silence peaceful expression and the right of defendants to participate in public debate. John Carpe, president of the Justice Center, stated today that the fundamental charter freedoms of expression, association, and peaceful assembly must be vigorously protected and defended, whether they are attacked directly by government or indirectly through a misguided civil action. So that is where that stands. So look for that on Thursday. Big development there. Any final comments before we move on to Charlotte? Well, hello. You just you just like solidified the fact that Zexy Lee is a paid informant. <laughs> and her court case is gonna be thrown out like a freaking 
bullet out of a cow's ass. And, you know, it is ridiculous that we're even talking about this from this stupid woman who was bothered. And I'm sorry, I'm bothered by the fact that my elevator doesn't work today. But you know what? She gets to educate all of society and say, you have no right to do this or protest. We have a legal right. Why is she being brought? She's a paid informant. And we're going to see it all show up in court. And, and it, you know what? The funny thing about it is it's not going to go on MSM. We're going to have to just suck it up, buttercup. Oh, yeah, we won that one. But no, the population, Rick, will not hear about it. You know what I mean? Yeah, I do. Like, it's not going to be broadcasted. Nothing about this has ever been broadcasted. Everything is kept into silence. Mm -hmm. But it's us that we need to keep it going. And the fact is very frustrating because when you can't teach someone, like my friend is on his, he's going, well, I think he already did, getting his seventh job. And I don't talk to this person anymore because he thinks I'm a freaking nut bar. I don't care anymore. I can't save anybody anymore. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like we can't. Enough education is out there. Mm -hmm. If you don't want to live, then that is, I think it's a cleansing of the spiritual road to tell you the truth. Because at the end of the day, if you don't not love God, you have no reason to be here. And I'd rather everybody leave that doesn't love God. It doesn't matter what God you belong to. As long as you know God and that, well, I have to be selfish here, that Jesus was the Son of God. If you don't believe that, then I think that you've got a lot more work to do. On that note, and that we, might be crazy. yeah, we better wrap that it might up. Be crazy this That's okay. Thank you very much. I appreciate all the time that you spent, your thoughts and your kind words and your inspiration. Well, I am more grateful to have the opportunity to speak with you and to have your channel that opens up my heart more and more every day. And I am grateful. Thank, Thank you. you. All right. We'll talk you, again. Rick. Okay. Look forward to the next call. And let's get Charlotte on the line. Hello, Charlotte. How are you tonight? Good. How are you, Rick? Can uh, you hear me? I can. Well, I only wanted to say thank you for the lovely, uh, when I joined your channel, you sent me a message and I wanted to thank you for that and uh, that's about it because who can top the last caller <laughs> she kind of said uh, said well she said a lot I don't know if a she lot. said it all but she said a lot and uh, yeah there was inspiration in there for sure yeah yeah um, and uh, I just wanted to thank you for the uh and my name on the chat is on the bit. On the bit. So on the bit is Charlotte. 
Yes. I haven't been. I didn't log in tonight. I see. Well, that's okay. You're yeah. over here. So. so that's all I have to say. Well, really, like, I, 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 I don't think that I can top what she had to say. Yeah. And <laughs> of course not. Well, that's okay. But you could coax me into something. Well, I think, you know, we're kind of getting to the end of the night, and maybe uh, maybe what we should do is just wrap things up with uh, with a Merry Christmas. How about that? Since it is that time that's of the year. perfect thing. Merry right. Christmas, everybody. Okay. And with that, we will. Merry Christmas, Rick. Merry Christmas And thank you. you very much. Thank you. For everything you do. And thank you. Because I watch every night. I listen to you, and actually my... Uh, partner said to me like i listen to a lot of stuff and he said well at least he's the most uh sane of the bunch <laughs> and that's not saying much <laughs> no that's no that's pretty good well, pretty good I, I i you 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 brought me down from some Brought me out of some rabbit holes. Let's put it that way. Uh, I understand. You know, like, uh, I have a friend that's always into rabbit holes. And I, I go there, too, because it's more fun. But you, you bring me back out of it, right? Yeah, you can't stay down you know? there because it's it, it actually, I think it gets dangerous no. if you're down there too long. I know. I go down and explore that's once right. in a while myself. But uh, yeah, you got you, you got to stay grounded. And That's right, and you're the you're the grounding. You know, like uh, every night at six o'clock, I I get on there and I listen to you, and I think you're wrong about uh, about the uh, chemtrails, but uh, I'll I'll give you that one. Okay, okay. that you're wrong about that. All right. Because well, I live on a farm. Just, just one, one, thing, one thing for you to think about, though. If they wanted to kill us with chemtrails, why would they do that? Because they're going to inhale or be exposed to the chemicals, too. I don't think that. Uh, no, I don't think that. I think oh. that they're doing that. They're, what they're doing is changing the weather so we'll believe in climate change. Hmm. Well, I'm not. Hmm. I'm not disputing that they can manipulate weather with um, aerial spraying. That is a, that's an actual thing. I know that, but I don't think that that's they do right. it on a, um, on the scale that people believe they do. Um, not, not, not at all. So I think people are mistaken when they see a lot of these um, lines in the sky, no, they're, they're vapor trails I, for the most part, but yes, that, that is I've actual technology happened. where they can seed clouds to, to make it rain, they do mm -hmm. that. That is a real thing. No question That's about that. That's a real that. thing. That That's is a real right. thing. Yep. But no, and I'm 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 not. I'm just saying that I've seen it. I've sure. not that I've seen it. I, I'm just saying that on July first, on this certain day, I photograph. I was out fencing. And there was, we don't, I'm out in the country. I don't live in, at, near an airport. There's an airport, a small airport. Mm -hmm. The trails were laid across the sky for three hours. I photographed the whole thing. 
And then they went away. Next day we had rain. I'm just saying. Something okay. fishy going on. <laughs> okay. Anyway. Did, but did it rain fish? Yeah. Because that's an no, thing that's no actually fish. happened in, from time to time too, you know. <sighs> That actually has happened. Oh, yes. I read that book. What was that book called? Well, I don't know. There have the, been actual incidents recorded. The Book of, of the Dead. The what? The Book of the, the Dead. Book of the Dead. It, 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 it chronicles uh, all these weird things. I think it was when I looked into, uh, when I went down that uh, rabbit hole of the earth is flat. <laughs> okay. Well, you know, the, the rain of the fish, there's an actual... There's there's a uh, a weather phenomenon that actually can cause that where there's like a, a funnel like a water spout type of a thing yeah. and I don't know all the details yeah. on it but it can actually suck fish up out of a out of a lake or the ocean and then drop them on land yeah. it's it's happened yeah it actually yes happened. it's happened yeah. I believe that I know that's true yeah <laughs> weird stuff goes on no question about it. Weird stuff does go on <laughs> in there. Not denying that. Yeah. Anyway, thank yeah. you. I really appreciate the call. This has been fun. Thank you. Yes, it was a great, great show. Yeah. And thank you for taking my call. My privilege. Thank you. And my pleasure. And there we go. And we'll have more weirdness <laughs> tomorrow of that. I have no doubt. But, uh, as weird as things get, we will still find somehow the upside to everything, the positive side, because we have to, because it's my job to find, help you find the truth or at least get closer to it. And we'll do that again tomorrow night, right here at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, as I say. We'll have a special guest on, I think two special guests, talking about the Adam Skelly legal case tomorrow night. So make sure you tune in for that. It should be, uh, I think it's going to be an important broadcast. So I'm looking forward to that very much. And we will find, I think, information that will get us closer to the truth on the positive side, the inspirational side, tomorrow night on the flip side. Love you guys. See ya. This has been a Maverick Multimedia Productions.